0: So let's pray a little bit more now that you're seated. So God, just open my heart and speak to me this morning. So I wonder if you'll pray that this morning right now, just in the silence of your heart, just asking for the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the power of the word this morning. So just speak to me, God. Open my heart, open my spiritual eyes and my spiritual ears. God, I want to see and hear what you want me to see and hear this morning. Stir deeply within all of our hearts, oh God. Help us to see our blind spots this morning. Do what only you can do here. Help me to be faithful to the word this morning, God, that Jesus will be glorified in everything we do. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Melissa and I, we have been remodeling our kitchen for the last few years, and we're a little bit over halfway done now. And so why are y'all laughing? I don't know, That's, <laughs> we're doing real good. So we decided to bust out the towel, or take out the towel. I say bust out the towel, she says take out the towel. So we're getting ready to take, remove the towel. And uh, so we have towel, and we have a couple of layers of linoleum under that. And so Melissa comes in, she says, let's take out the towel. So I said, right, so I go get my big sledgehammer. And I come walking into the kitchen, and I start taking, busting out tile. Tile is, I mean, shards and shrapnel is flying everywhere. Dust is flying everywhere. She's like, hold on, wait, 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 stop. And she said, you know, there's a different way that we can do this. You see, I'm fast-paced, and she's slow-paced. She said, we can get some pry bars. Me and the boys, we'll get pry bars. We'll squirt down each individual piece of tile with water so it doesn't make dust, because I already had dust flying everywhere, and we'll take the pry bars, and we'll just take out one p- tile and just a little bit of anolean at a time, and said, all right, so, you know, I, I backed off, and I let them go to work, and I was standing there watching them doing this, knowing that that Melissa's way is the better way, slower way, but better way, cleaner way, more efficient, and better, but it went against every grain of iota of who i am i could not stay in the room <laughs> so i left the room i'd come back in i'd get the when they got the you know pieces of tile busted out i'll take the tile go load it in the back of the truck and <clears throat> i just went into my office and started doing my own thing but see here's what you have to understand this morning and you know so i don't have all of marriage figured out please understand me this morning as i talk about this but here's one thing that i do know our differences can either make us bitter enemies or a better team. Yeah. All of us are different. And whenever you have a team of people, it's not about everybody being the same. It's about our strengths complementing each other. And you see, here's our, here's our problem is that in our, our sinful state, instead of allowing other people's differences to make us stronger, many times what we'll do is we'll let that make us bitter towards them. So we need grace and we need grit to make it in marriage, and I would say in all of our interpersonal relationships. I, I saw This is not my definition. I saw this and I want to share it with you. Grit is stamina. Grit is sticking with your future day in and day out, not just for the week, not just for the month, but for years and working really hard to make that future a reality. Grit is living life like it's a marathon and not a sprint. Here's what the Bible says. But those who marry will have a lot of trouble. So, and thinking about this, and I didn't make this up, I, 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 I um, copied this once again, and I thought it was the difference between, the reason we have trouble is because the difference between the male brain and the female brain, and the one, you know, I don't want to go over all of these, because I don't necessarily agree with all of them, but one that I thought was really interesting that I want to point out this morning is, for the male, the little bitty part right there is the listening, and for the parking for the women. That's the little one there for the women. And uh, Anyway, I won't, I won't even go there. But I just want you to know, listen, if, if you find a man who is a good listener, let me tell you this. Most likely, that didn't happen naturally. Oh, yeah. he, he <laughs> <laughs> Look at her husband. That's good. <laughs> it didn't happen naturally. And he's currently even working on it right now. So, I mean, see, see some of you, you're, you're, you're women right now, you're like, man, my husband does not listen. Well, all the rest of us don't either. <laughs> just, it's, that's, I just want you to understand, just as we start off this morning, that's the one thing we got to get out in the open right now is that there's not anywhere in the Bible where it says this is easy, okay? We go into marriage with the expectation gap. We talk about this all the time. The expectation gap, what I expect right here And the reality of what happens, two different things. The most important thing is a space where I live in between the two. How I respond between what I expect and what I get, that's the most important place where I live. See, here's the problem. We got so many people that when they enter into marriage, they think many things. Here's a few of them right here, just two I want to share with you. They think that marriage will fix my problems. And in fact, marriage will amplify our problems. Because you got two sinful people that are coming together that are moving into this same house, living in this same space, sharing the same, the, the two are trying to become one. And then the other one is, is that my spouse will fulfill all my needs. You have to understand something. Nobody can make you happy. I want you to hear me. Nobody can make you happy. Only God can fulfill your needs. Only God can give you joy. A joy that's unspeakable, a joy that you can have even during the worst, most terrible times in your life, a joy that you can't explain. And listen, if you lay that burden on somebody else to make you happy, that is not fair to them. No one, listen, it's your choice. You either choose to be happy or you choose not to be happy. So you can't put that burden on somebody else. If you're sitting here this morning, you're like, man, My husband or my wife, they just don't make me happy anymore. Well, I want to tell you this morning, you started off with the expectation, the false expectation. And I want to tell you something, the world, the flesh, and the devil will take that false expectation and wear you smooth out. You may be here right now, and you may be in a good marriage, and you think it's a terrible marriage. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. You have fallen into the wrong hands. You've let your heart and your mind go to the wrong place. And I'm praying this morning that through the gospel, that the gospel will help you realign where your heart and your mind needs to be this morning. Here's what Jesus said. For in the resurrection, let's talk about heaven. They will neither marry nor be given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So I want you understand this much also, that marriage is a temporary thing. Marriage is right here and right now. It's it's God's plan, God's design. It's it's the most important relationship you have, aside from God, here on earth. But see, here's our problem in in our Christian culture in America is that we have to be careful about this, that we make marriage the ultimate thing. The Bible does not make marriage the ultimate thing. The Bible makes God the ultimate thing. If my relationship with God is good and right, then all of my other interpersonal relationships are going to benefit from that. But if my relationship with God is not good and right, then all of my interpersonal relationships are going to struggle. So we have to be careful about making marriage the ultimate thing. And we got to remember what the ultimate thing is. And here it is. Matthew chapter six verse thirty-three. This is the Sermon on the Mount, most important sermon I believe ever preached in world history, and I I would say that this is a thesis statement of the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus said this, "This here's the first thing you got to do. When you want to take your priorities, when you want to prioritize your life, the most important thing that you need to be doing is you need to be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, in context, what Jesus is talking about here is he's talking about food, clothing, your basic needs in life. He says, listen, don't worry about those basic things. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, even your basic necessities, those will be taken care of. So, if I put, you know, it's just trying to diagram this out. I'm a visual learner, so I want to try to make a diagram here to understand this. So if the wife and the husband, if they are both the priority of their life, okay, so let me me pause for a moment. Marriage is a two-way street. See, I grew up in church, like many of you, and I heard the preacher get up there with his you know, it seemed like he had a golden marriage and a golden life, and everything was good for him. And, and for those of y'all that don't know me, I have not had a golden life, a problem-free life, and that's a whole other story, and I don't even want to talk about that. But here's what I want to tell you. I know this much. The person standing in front of you that's trying to exposit the Word of God, I know this. Marriage is a two-way street. You can't do it by yourself. It takes two people going the same direction to make this thing work. If you got only one person going the right direction and the other person's going off in left field, <laughs> it's, that's serious trouble there, okay? So, I mean, listen, if both of you want to be happy, let's use that American lingo, that Christianese, whatever it is. If both of you want to be happy, then both of you have got to be seeking first the kingdom of God. And if both of our hearts are set on seeking Jesus first, then it's inevitable. What's going to happen is we're going to be bonded in Christ. Jesus said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. Oh, my, I could preach a whole sermon on that one right there. See, (laughs) some of you who have adult children, you will not let your son be the man, and you will not let your daughter be the wife. You're still trying to control them. Bless their hearts, and you're, you're wreaking havoc in their life because you won't let go and let, let your son or your son-in-law be the man. Or let your daughter or your daughter-in-law be the wife. Because they're going to leave. It's temporary. You got Listen, you get this this morning. Everything is changing except for God. God's the only thing that remains the same. So regardless if you got something right now that you like, this is a good season in your life, or this is bad, it's a hard season in your life, well, here's the, here's the reality. All of us know everything is changing other than God. So you see, if I am bonded, if Melissa and I are bonded in Jesus, then that's the one thing that didn't change. But see, here's what you have to understand. You can be bonded in a lot of different areas, You can be bonded through your children, you can be bonded through finances, you can be bonded through sex, bonded through all these other things that are changing. And here's what happens when that worldly thing that bonded you, when it breaks, whenever it comes undone, then guess what happens? This breaks and comes undone. Here's the one thing right here that won't break and won't come undone. Here's the one thing that will never change. So listen, when the Bible talks about you putting God first, it isn't because God is, you know, he's like thinks that you got to have all your attention. This is for your good. This is so you can you can have that joy of experiencing heaven on earth right here and right now. It's not about happiness. It's not about always having good circumstances. It's about being locked into the one thing that will never let you down because everything and everybody in this world will break your heart. And if you make your spouse your little G-God, if you make your children your little G-God, if you make your bank account your little G-God, whatever it is, your health, your looks, yourself, then here's what I know. Sooner or later, it will crush you. But here's what will never crush you here's what will never change and that's why Jesus said seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things oh hey listen one of these days you know I mean we go through the natural course of things one of these days either Melissa and I will be standing over one of the others casket it's inevitable everything's changing my children, your children, they will one day on the natural course of life, you know, they'll be standing over our, ca- it all changes. Do you, have you got that this morning? No, I don't know how to make that more clear because our problem is, is we, we get too focused on this temporary right here and right now and it becomes our liturgy. God, and it ruins us. <sighs> so we, have, we love using Jesus as an additive. What I mean by that is that we just want to sprinkle a little Jesus onto our marriage and make it better. Make it blessed. Sprinkle a little bit of Jesus into my job and make that better. I'll get promoted and I'll do good. Sprinkle a little Jesus. See, here's what I want to tell you this morning. So there have been studies. So I immersed myself in studies on marriage this past week, and man, it's a little unnerving. There have been all kinds of studies on this. Here's what you have to understand this morning. So for the person who is a nominal Christian, That means a person who believes in Jesus, and they go to church every once in a while. Here's what you have to understand. The divorce rate is higher among those than people who don't go to church at all. Now, I can only speculate on why that is. Maybe it's lack of commitment. I don't know what it is, but here's what I want to tell you something. Anytime we want to use Jesus as a little sprinkle on top, if you you come to church this morning, you think, hey, just by being at church this morning, it's going to make my marriage better, then let me go ahead and just go ahead and bust your bubble right now because that's not true. If if anything, it might get worse. It might get harder because you might enter into another level of spiritual warfare. So here's what Jesus said to the people that wanted to to use him just to kind of use him as an additive. This is called a thinning sermon. He, He preached thinning sermons all the time when the crowd got too big. Here's what Jesus said. Now a great crowd... So a great crowd. Bunch of people, man, they were loving the miracles, loving. They were wanting to sprinkle on Jesus and get the blessing. Great crowds were traveling with him, so he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross dies to himself. And come after me, cannot be my disciple. I've had a lot of people come to me and say, David, what does he mean by that? What does he mean by you gotta hate your mother? What does that mean? So I went and I looked up the Greek word for hate right here, and here's what it means hate. (laughs) It means to despise. Hate is the smoothest, easiest translation for that word for us to take. That's why our English translators put in hate. I mean, like, if they really want to just get literal with it, you you must despise them. I don't know. See, that doesn't fit into our American culture very well, does it? I mean, listen, you want me to be faithful to the text? You want me just to tell you what the Bible says and then you deal with it? Well, that's what we do here. So, by the way, that's where you're at. So why on earth would Jesus say this? Because our natural tendency is to love mom and dad, son and daughter, more than God. To make them our little G God. And for that to ruin our lives and ruin their lives. See, I just thought I was going to get out of James for one week and it was going to get all smooth and happy. and I wasn't wrong about that. Philippians 2.3. Man, listen, church, if we could just live one verse in the Bible, this would be a good one for us to live right here. Here's what this verse says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. See, that's, that's the key to interpersonal relationships is humility. In humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. So do you know anybody that always does what's best for them? You know, you can count on them. They're always going to do what's best in their best interest. You can always count on them to do that. Now, are you that person? I mean, everything that you do, has it got to be working out to you? Do you not ever sacrifice, I mean, do you not ever come out on the losing? Do you ever, do you go into situations with people and think, hey, I'm going to come out on the lower end of this, so I'm not going to do it. It's going to cost me to serve them. Let me, yeah, got to understand something. If you're going to truly serve people like Jesus did, it's going to cost you here and now. Jesus said that whenever you do that, when you serve and it costs you, and you come out on the losing end, that you're getting something called treasures in heaven, that God's the one that keeps the ultimate account. So if you're doing it for your benefit right here and right now, I want to tell you right now, you will struggle. And that's why Jesus said that you got to make God the big G God in your life. He's got to to seek first the kingdom of God, because if you don't, you're going to be too worried about yourself, your worldly kingdom here, and your stuff that you got right now, you'll be trying to keep that. See, some of you right now, I mean, hmm. So when, when you get on Facebook or social media and someone has a picture of their kids and they say, hashtag my world. Well, let me tell you something. That world is going to crush in on you. Hey, that's great that you love your kids. But I want to tell you something. When that is your all in all, that's a listen, that's a dangerous place not only for you to be, but it's a dangerous place for your children to be too. Wives, here it is, Colossians 3, 18, 19. This is the favorite verse for most women. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter towards them. I can't talk about this part this morning because I don't have enough time. But anyway, let's just focus <laughs> on these right here. So here's what we know. We know this much. We know that the husband needs respect and the wife needs love. That's what the Bible showing us. So if you were here like about a year ago or something like that, we talked about this. We watched a video series. It was so good. And it's called The Crazy Cycle. And it says that without love, with a husband not loving the wife, she's going to react without respect. And then when she reacts without respect, he, listen, he reacts without love. And so he gets, it gets, goes on the cycle and cycle. The less respect, the less love. And it's a crazy cycle. And let me tell you something. The reason we get into the crazy cycle is because there's no one be- taking the lead to break the cycle. The only way the cycle's ever gonna be broken is that somebody takes the lead. And men, according to the Bible, you are the leader. You're the one to take the lead and to break that cycle. Cause then, it's very interesting because then he taught us, we learned from this, the, the energizing cycle. That's where his love motivates her respect. Her respect motivates his love. And it just goes on and on and on. So, you need grace and grit. Here's three reasons why. Because sin, we're all in sin and it brings conflict. We're all going to have conflict. It's not about you avoiding conflict in your marriage. See, I, don't, I don't know if you just heard me just now. It's, this is not about you avoiding conflict in your marriage. This is about you dealing with conflict in a healthy, mature way. Because forgiving and submitting is impossible without grace and grit. Because God gets glory when you endure the furnace of affliction by relying on Christ. So I've been reading studies for years and years and years about people that are, that are having problems in their marriage. And here's what they've been saying, and they still say it. They said for the, the marriages that are having struggles and problems, that if they stick with it, that within five years that marriage is usually rebounded and is happy. Now, let you know. I'm fully aware there's abusive situations. There's a situation to where when you're married to someone that your life is put in danger. So I'm fully aware of that. So, you know, there's always exceptions to every rule. And this morning, I don't want to stand up here in front of you and listen, if you're in an abusive relationship and your life is being threatened by where you're at, don't think that, you know, you come to this church and we're like, hey, you just got to stick it out, man. You just got to follow these principles right here and everything's going to work out. No, no, listen, you need professional help at that point, Okay. So, I mean, I'll just be, let's just be clear on this. The stuff I'm talking about this morning, this is just, these are the minor issues that all of us deal with day in and day out in our marriages we're addressing today. Man, that heavy-duty stuff, that's where you need to go get some professional help right there. So, therefore... As God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So in Colossians right here, it's talking about relationships, but especially the marriage relationship, that we're to have these things. Listen, that God's transforming power, the Holy Spirit. Listen, I am so excited about what God has done in my life that it should transfer over to my wife and my children and my grandchildren and to my church, to my friends, It's it's life transforming. See, that's what the true gospel does to us. Let me tell you something. Religion doesn't do that. Religion just makes us mean and bitter and ugly and judgmental. The true gospel, the life transforming power, all glory goes to God. Oh, man, that changes us from the inside out. This isn't about you being a good person, by the way. It's about you being a transformed person. You realize that, right? That's the true gospel right there. Church has been telling you to be better, some of you. You've been going to churches that have been telling you to be better and to do better, and you feel like a terrible Christian. Well, listen, I'm sorry that we we messed up the good gospel. The good gospel is this, is that only God is good. And all the rest of us, we're redeemed even in our sinfulness, and that through life-transforming power, God is changing us to love one another just as he loved us. We're going we're gonna to pass up that golf clap before we get out here and have a full-blown Jesus <laughs> clap. I know it. I'm <laughs> believing it today. <laughs> this, is, this is so interesting. This is, was an um, article. This might be a key to happy marriage. It was in USA Today. After interviewing 468 married individuals on relationship satisfaction, covering everything from communication habits to finances They found that the most consistent, significant predictor of happy marriages was whether one's spouse expressed gratitude. Feeling appreciated and believing that your spouse values you directly influences how you feel about your marriage, how committed you are to it, and your belief that it will last. So, being kind in marriage. So here's what I want you to understand. The best way I can illustrate this would be if a woman decided that there was, see, so all of us have these idiosyncrasies, okay, that are just, they're just kind of idiosyncrasies that are just kind of, that, are, that make us unique and different, that drive, sometimes you're getting, this driving you crazy. Your spouse has got this thing they do, they smack, or they, they talk too much, or, oh, that just hit a nerve right there, bro? <laughs> <laughs> So they got these, they, and here's what I want you to understand. So the best way I can illustrate this would be like if a woman, and this is ridiculous and I, I'm for purpose, if a woman decides that she doesn't like her husband wearing black shoes. I mean, the dude all of a sudden, you're like, when they got married, he didn't have very many black shoes. He, he bought a pair of black shoes after they got married. She decides she didn't like the black shoes. Well, she told him, I don't like the black shoes. Well, he fell in love with black shoes. Then he went and bought every kind of shoe in black. I started wearing black shoes all the time. And then he went even further that. he started locking the black shoes so much. He got black socks, then he got black shorts, then he got black shirts. Then the next thing you know, he's like the second coming of the man in black. He's wearing black every day, all day long. Everything he wears, it's black. And she is going crazy because she hates the black shoes. And every time she sees him, she'll look out the window, see him come walking through the yard, and she'll think, oh, he does those black shoes. <laughs> well, here's what I would say. So there's somebody somewhere who loves black shoes. There's somebody somewhere who loves to see someone dressed in all black. See, what I'm telling you is, is that you make the decision. You choose what you love and what you hate. You see, right now some of you are disagreeing with me in your mind, but I'm telling you, that, listen, even science, not the Bible backs me up on this, but science does. The neuroplasticity of your brain, your brain can be changed. You can change the way you think. Here's what I going to tell you take every thought captive comes into this. So whatever it is that drives you crazy about that other person, if when that thought pops up, if right there in that moment, if you start thinking, man, I find that attractive. That's beautiful. Yeah, even that, even the smacking. That is wonderful. Thank God we got food to eat. And Jeff was enjoying this food that I cooked him. I mean, and listen, we laugh about that, but this is so true. Some of you, you're, listen, these little bitty things, the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil is making it into a big deal. And I'm telling you, somebody else somewhere thinks that's cool, and you're hating it. So it's your choice. I mean, listen, go back through history. Look at our history. You go back to the Renaissance era, and they're painting pictures of chubby, pasty white women because that was the most beautiful thing in the world to them. They were, listen, I'm telling you that this because we're informed by our culture. When our culture, you you know, we grow up in this culture that thinks people that are overly skinny and really tan and all that, that all this, and so all of a sudden, all the rest, we start believing, do you see this? We choose what we find is beautiful and attractive. We choose what we want to love. That's your choice. Bearing, and that echoes the, the Greek word right here. It means to endure, to put up with, put, putting, I mean, like putting up, putting up with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance or a complaint, better, better, better um, translation right here. All the other ones translate complaint against another. If you're offended, then just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. So what does that mean? That means give up your grudge. That grudge is eating you alive. Listen, some of you, your spouse has begged you to forgive and to forget, but you keep bringing that grudge back up. listen, I wanna tell you something. We go back, listen to the messages the last few weeks. If you think you're spiritually mature, James has already put this out there for us. The people that are spiritually mature can control what comes out of their mouth. Because some of you are sitting around, but I can't help what I say. I'm telling you, okay, if you can't help what you say, then that's because you're immature. The Bible's saying that anyway. If you control, if you let the Holy Spirit control your heart, it's going to control your mind. And then it's going to control what comes out of your mouth. At the basis of our marriage problems is this right here, pride and selfishness. You can always run it into these every single time. And see, because whenever we got conflict growing, it's a lack of grace. See, there's been, there's like this huge study done at Baylor University, and they looked at it and they said, what is the, you know, what's the overarching problem of all of our marriage problems, and this is it right here. It's a lack of grace and a lack of effort or grit, that being able to hang in there, even though, listen, they're driving me crazy, or I don't think this is fair, or whatever it may be, I didn't sign up for this. Well, let me tell you something. How many of you are the exact same person you were 10 years ago? You realize that whenever you marry somebody, you're marrying the change that's ahead. And if you're listen, if you're all in for them making you happy, there's gonna come a day when they don't make you happy. But if Jesus is the one that's your joy, if he's your all-in-all, then you can handle the changes. And if you can can take every thought captive and get to the point, say, you know what? I choose to love everything about my husband or everything about my wife. I'm going to find the things that are driving me crazy. I'm going to get to the point to where I love those things. Can you smack a little louder, honey? (laughs) I like that smacking. That's good. (laughs) I talk about this with my family all the time. Gee, listen, God's got a grace tank that never runs empty, but none of the rest of us do. All the rest of us, our grace tank is either getting filled up or it's getting emptied out. And whenever that grace tank gets empty, we, have a, we get rubbed raw and we have a hard time in our interpersonal relationships. So the reason I'm showing you this because I want you to understand something. That whenever you show kindness, whenever you serve your spouse, whenever you build into them, then what you're doing is you're filling up their grace tank. And here's what I know. Every single one of us need Grace. We need the grace of God, and we need the grace from the other people that we're in relationships with. And the only way that you're going to make sure that that grace tank is filled up is that you're investing into them. Because when you empty that thing out, I promise you this much, there's going to come a day when you're going to want to take a withdrawal from that, and it's empty. And you're like, well, what's wrong? Are you sure overly sensitive now? (laughs) What's your problem? So above all, put on. And see, there's our choice right there, church. Because you choose what you put on. This is what the Bible's telling us. Above all, put on love. Which is the perfect bond. That bond that brings those two together. My love, listen, the only way that I can love my wife and my family is that whenever my love has been transformed by Jesus. Because if I'm not being transformed by that, I'm going to be loving myself and worrying about all of them serving me and doing what I want them to do. Then it all becomes about me. Well, listen, how you make me look. Oh my goodness, in church culture and Christianese, that's what we worry about so much is how our family makes us look. You know, Our family might make us look like we're not very spiritual. <laughs> Listen, I want to go to a church where that doesn't matter. I want to be a part of a church where it's not about me and my family looking good. I want go to a cha- go to a church where it's like, okay, we're all broken and undone, and we're being transformed, we're in process, and it's okay that we're not perfect. I got another thing to read y'all this morning. This is this is now this is very worldly, and I even did a little bit of editing because something that she put in here was just theologically too far out. So you'll see where I edited. It. I can't I couldn't even read it here in church. But even though she's you know out and theologically kind of off, it's interesting to me that she gets real close to what we're talking about—grace and grit. I wanted to read this is from this is from the um, New York Magazine last year. Is marriage obsolete? And this is. A lot of our young millennials today in the world, this is kind of the way they're seeing marriage, so you're kind of, some of you older folks like me are, what's going on? Well, listen to this. Give us some insight. Isn't it reasonable to question the value of a legal contract written in ink, on paper, that involves disastrous, disastrously punitive forms of disillusion? <laughs> I love how she put that. Particularly when it is paired with an enormously expensive ceremony That often includes allusions to obedience and lifelong mutual suffering and death of all things. And there are a host of inconveniences to being married, along with untold drudgery, monotony, frustration, and regret. Considering all that, what could possibly be the point of this outdated charade? And then she answers the question this way. So why do I love this torturous state of affairs so much? The daily companionship, the shared household costs, and the tax breaks are not enough. It is because some of the peak moments of a marriage are when you share your anxieties, your fears, your longings, and even your horrors. That's why sickness and death are key to the marriage vows. Because there is nothing more, here's where I edit it, gracious, than being able to say today I am really truly at my worst knowing that it won't make your spouse run for the hills my husband has seen my worst before we both know that our worst is likely to get worse from here somehow that feels like grace I think she's closing in on what real grace really is right there is that that's the demonstration listen that's why God, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of to put him first, because then at our very worst, our, our spouse, or our spouse's very worst, we're not going to run for the hills. Man, I mean, to be married to someone, I mean, that's what I love. I mean, like, you know, listen, I don't have the perfect marriage. Nobody does, but one of the things I love about our marriage is that she has seen me at my very worst, and it didn't change the way she felt about me. She still loves me the same. And there's no way that she can do that unless she puts Jesus first. That's what I know. So every day is an I do day. See, some of you, you did that better for worse in sickness and in health. You did that on that day, and you said I do on that day. You took those vows on that day. And here's what I say to you today. Every day is an I do day. You got that? Every day that you wake up for better for worse... That's a choice that you've got to make every single day. So are you allowing the differences to make you better enemies or a better team? So here's a relationship prayer that I want to share with you this morning. Feel free to take a picture of this. It's fixing to be off the screen in just a moment. Lord, help me to deeply. So here's a person that you're struggling with. It may not be your spouse, could be your parent, could be your child, could be your brother or sister, could be somebody you work with. You're, I don't know. Some interpersonal relationship, man. I mean, when you think about them, it makes you come undone a little bit on the inside. Here's a prayer for them. Lord, help me to deeply love, and you put their name in that blank, and give me the desire to show them honor in the way that I treat them. Romans 12 just says, "Love, love one another deeply." As brothers and sisters that outdo one another in showing honor, can you out honor them? I oh, see that's going to take the power of God. When you're going to approach somebody that you don't like and honor them and love them deeply, I got a marriage prayer for you. Lord, stir my affections for you and for my spouse, for my children, for my calling, and for your church. Because if you're in Christ, you've got a calling. And you are to be a part of the church. So every day we need to have our affections stirred. So I, I pray this prayer. Over I'll be praying this prayer over every single one of you this week. When I go through my prayer time every morning. I say, Lord, for every person who was at the Bridge Fellowship this past Sunday morning, every marriage there, stir their affections for you, for one another, for their children, for their family, for the church, and for their calling. You that have adult children, I would encourage you to pray this over their marriages. And I would encourage you to pray this over your marriage every day. And you children, if you pray, over your parents as well. I got some, some of the prayers I pray every day. I got them off the Ransom Heart app. So if you get the app, it says prayers right here. You click on that, and it's got all kinds of prayers you can pray for your family. So if you're wanting some resources, you're wanting to pray more effectively, then there's one of the resources that I would share with you right there to, to dig into that. And another thing, so Melissa, so you know every once in a while you'll come in here, and I won't be here, and one of the elders will be preaching or something. Melissa and I will take a weekend off. And when we go for a weekend away, we always do something to enrich our marriage. We either read a book on marriage or we'll do something through RightNow Media. So if you don't have access to RightNow Media, it's free to everybody. All you got to do is just send us an email and we will get you um, a code so you can get in. And it's, it's not only just married stuff on here, it's all kind of children's stuff. And there's a lot of people that their children watch good cartoons. And if you're upset with all the goofy junk that the world's putting out there, and you want your kids to watch some stuff that'll be enriching, they got great cartoons, Christian cartoons and stuff like that. But this is what, we, this is what Melissa and I, matter of fact, I would highly recommend this. Here's the last one we did last time we were out. We did this one on Right Now Media called Love Talk, and we would just listen to it a little bit, and we just pause it. And it just brought out so much good stuff that we needed to talk about and work on. So if you're thinking which one would be a good one for us, there's a first one that I would highly recommend. So let's sit down this morning. <clears throat> so you know, there's all different kinds of marriage struggles. There's the... Kind of what we're talking about this morning, you know, the lot struggles that all of us face from time to time. That's kind of what we addressed here this morning. And then I'll say there's kind of like the me, the the mid-level. And it's a little bit more than lot, you know. The, our 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 struggles are pretty serious, but we don't feel like we're quite re- ready to go to counseling right now. Maybe you can't afford it. I don't know. Well, we have got marriage mentors here, couples that have underwent training. Not just people we look at and we think, hey, well, they're great. Let's let them do mentoring. These are people who have. Went through training and so they've been trained to be christian mentors as couples that we would be be happy to connect you with one of these mentoring couples and um, they're, they're not there to fix you they're just there to pray for you and to help you and then also there's the next level where it becomes very serious and that is where and there's not anything wrong with getting counseling we all should get marriage counseling by the way good christian-based marriage counseling all of us should do that But there's also that, but then there's also the next level to where there's abuse, lives are being endangered. That's a whole other level. And so if you're there at that place too, you know, and you need help, then don't leave out of here today. Or if you're watching this online and you need help, just reach out to us. We just want to help you. That's what our desire is. So this morning, before we do announcements, let's take a few moments just to pray right now. So one of our main problems in our interpersonal relationships is our blind spots. And I know that you may be thinking, I don't have any. Well, that's why it's called a blind spot. And only the Holy Spirit can reveal that to you. So right now, would you pray over that? Say, God, Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal to me the blind spots in my life. Search my heart. See, in some of you today, you need to go and just get away with your spouse and talk to them Some of you, you've been so busy these last few weeks that you haven't even really talked. Some of you, there's some things that have been bothering you and you've been keeping it bottled up and it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And here's what I want to tell you also. If your spouse comes to you today and they want to talk to you, then here's what you need to do you need to put down your defenses you need to relax your emotions and you need to be willing to cooperate and listen even though it may hurt your feelings you need to be mature you need to just listen with an open mind and not be defensive and mean because the more defensive and mean you are the more you push them away and the more you damage your relationship Some of you women, if you're listening online, you're here this morning and you've been running the show, you don't let your husband be the man, (laughs) then here's what I want to tell you. If you have sons, then more than likely those sons are going to grow up to be bitter towards you because when they become young men, you'll try to domineer them also and they'll lose all respect for you. So today's the day you need to make a change. Submitting to God's biblical order, let your husband be the man. Let your son be the man in his marriage. Let your son-in-law. So right now, somebody needs to let go of that. Some of you men, you need to take the lead today and lead your wife in prayer. Even though it's going to feel awkward and weird and you're going to trip all over it and you think there's going to be rocks in your throat when you start to do it. Don't ask for her permission. Just start praying right there. Pray out loud. Nobody's going to die, I promise you. The most important aspect to a married couple is praying together, in my opinion. Got to be praying together. Don't wait for permission. Just start praying out loud. So, can you let the Holy Spirit speak to you for just about 10 seconds right now? Can you just relax? So what's that thing that's driving you crazy about your spouse, that idiosyncrasy? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would make that attractive in my heart and in my mind. Can you pray that? Help me die to myself, my immaturity. Yes, yeah, so God, we pray today that you just take the things that we studied and we learned, move them out of our mind, into our heart, and bring life transformation into our lives today. Help us to be more effective and efficient in our interpersonal relationships. Grow us, sanctify us, mature us, God. Help us to have mature responses to those people who come and challenge us, who come and point out our weaknesses and our blind spots. So, God, we need your transforming power, your Holy Spirit to help us with this. In Jesus' name, you may be seated.